today's message, I guess you can call it, is whatever happened to the fear of God. It's a bit of a heavy message. Um, it's probably as much for the people that will listen to this in the podcast as it is for us. Before I begin, I want to express my indebtedness to uh, the resources of a retired pastor named Albert Martin, who, um, when he was in the pulpit back in the early 70s, I think it was 1970, gave a nine-part series on the fear of God almost over 50 years ago. And he put the series into a book. He's retired now for health reasons. And it used to be common for truly godly people to be labeled as God-fearers in this country. Now it's a phrase that's hardly ever used. I think when's the last time you heard somebody called a God-fearer, except on TV or a movie or a book? In Yeshua's time, people from the nations, Gentiles, that supported Israel and turned to the God of Israel but never converted to Judaism were called God-fearers. If you know anything of that time, you will realize that for a non-Jewish person, say like a Roman centurion, to embrace the Torah and the Haftorah, the laws of Israel, the God of Israel was a huge step and it meant scorn from other pagans. It was a big sacrifice on that person's part. They practically had to abandon their previous heritage, religious beliefs. And if they like were a Roman centurion or soldier in Israel and they became a God-fearer, I think it's doubtful whether they'd be able to go back home anymore. So it was a huge step. The sermon will not be detailed. If anything, I probably won't be able to answer the question, whatever happened to the fear of God, but I leave it to anyone listening to this to examine the scriptures I give and then to ask yourself, what happened to the fear of God in the body of Messiah. If anything, it will be an introduction to a topic that is not as common as it used to be in the pulpits. I did a little survey online at a sermon site, and I saw a number of them, but I know that there are some parts of the body of Messiah who never talk about the fear of God. It's always something else. This will be sort of a run-through of Scripture at 30,000 feet, so to speak. I'll give a number of Scriptures, some commentary, and then I leave it up to each person to think about it and pray about this. I'll start the topic, so to speak, and then you can finish it on your own. The reason I do this is because I feel that, like I say, in many congregations, it's a missing topic of discussion in sermons. I started on this journey by wondering why I am seeing major parts of the body of Messiah doing things that are blatantly contrary to scripture. An example would be why it's okay for people who call themselves a prophet to be consistently wrong in their prophecies. It's been documented that their track record is closer to 90 to 95 percent wrong and yet they're always making excuses for it, saying that we're in a period of grace. Yet nowhere in Scripture do we see that standard applied to true prophets. I keep asking myself, and others do, 
How can people be constantly wrong and not concern themselves with not only their reputation, but the reputation of God? Where is the fear of God? Do they not realize that they represent the Lord to people? Do they not understand that not only are they ruining their own reputation, making themselves untrustworthy, but the reputation of their congregation, ministry, and most of all, the Lord himself? Are they not concerned or fearful about standing before the Lord someday and having to answer as to why they defamed the name of the Lord? A question to ask yourself is, would you get your car or house appliance or your house or anything else you own repaired by someone who is wrong 95% of the time? No, you wouldn't. Yet people entrust their lives and eternal destinies to such people. Other areas of concern are the blatant use of new age and demonic practices, which are contrary to scripture. Again, I wonder, where is the fear of God? So let's start the discussion. In the Bible, there are two different ways to look at the term, the fear of God. One way is someone who is in unconfessed or unrepentant sin, which is most of the people in the world. The fear of God in their lives would be the expectation of judgment. Uh, an a couple examples is there was somebody online who posted and just posted Romans 1 sections, parts of sections 18 through 32, about um, God giving people over to their sins, and that's all that person put online. And they have a national ministry, and basically all the unbelievers came online and went berserk. She got like hundreds of like crazy people putting all sorts of crazy stuff on there. So that's a sort of a form of uh, conviction. It was something to behold. One person put like 30 different posts of all sorts of obscene messages. Another great example would, of people sinning against God is the example of Adam and Eve. When the Lord came near to them after they sinned, they hid themselves and covered themselves up. For those who do not believe in Yeshua and his atonement for them on the tree, on the cross, as well as those who walk away from the Lord, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 31 puts it straight up. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has ignored the law of Moses is put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and is regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace. And in verse 31, it says, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. On the other hand, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29 states, regarding those who have had their sins atoned, you know, who've accepted Yeshua's atonement and are saved and fear the Lord 
the prop another side of the coin of the fear of the Lord is in verse 28 and 29 of chapter 12 therefore since we receive a kingdom cannot which cannot be shaken show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire for those who are followers and disciples of Yeshua fear of God is reverence and awe it is more than respect we can show respect for a lot of people but not necessarily revere them in awe reverence in the Bible means intense worshipful odd respect for God it is a godly fear that is both a verb and a noun reverence is the instinctive response of anyone who encounters the awesome magnificence and splendor of God we have a tendency to misuse the word awe or awesome nowadays. However, in the Bible, awe is the attitude of reverence, wonder, and dread toward God. So I said something to, uh, I think, uh, my brother, and he used the word awesome. Well, nowadays, that's like, great, that's wonderful, but that's not what it means in the Bible. It's the complete opposite, actually. Um, it is a response to the infinite power and holiness of God and his astonishing works. The word awe can also mean amazement, astonishment, or being dumbfounded. Awe is the characteristic attitude of the pious soul toward God in the scriptures. Even though as followers of Yeshua, we should not walk in cowering fear of being beaten by God, there needs to be a certain amount of respect for the biblical boundaries set up by God. So in other words, either, even though we as believers, followers of Yeshua, should show a fear of God, of reverence and awe, there needs to be a certain amount of fear. We need to realize that God hate sin and so it becomes sort of a boundary around us to keep us from straying to quote the website gotquestions.com which i highly recommend a biblical fear of god for the believer includes understanding how much god hates sin and fearing his judgment on sin even in the life of a believer hebrews 12 verses 5 through 11 describe god's discipline of the believer while it is done in love, it is still a fearful thing. When we were children, our fear of discipline from our parents no doubt prevented some evil actions on our part. The same should be true in our relationship with God. We should fear his discipline and therefore seek to live our way, lives in a way that pleases him. And the, the scriptures that this article mentioned is had you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. 
Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So we'll get into the scriptures here with some minor commentary. At the time of Pastor Martin's original sermon over 50 years ago, he counted the references in scripture to this phrase, and I think he had King James. He counted explicit references to the term fear of God or fear of the Lord 150 to 175 times and hundreds more that are implicit. So the very fact that the Lord has repeated that phrase so many times explicitly and in concepts tells us the importance in our life and in his mind. Genesis chapter 31, verses 49 through 53, talking about Isaac and Laban swearing to each other. And as, and Miss, for he said, uh, or um, I, Jacob said to Laban, may the Lord keep watch between you and me when we, oh, this is Laban speaking, when we are absent from one another, if you mistreat my daughters or if you take wives, Beside my daughters, although no one is with us, see God is witness between you and me. Laban also said to Jacob, Behold this heap, and behold the memorial stone which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness, and a memorial stone is a witness that I will not pass by this heap to you for harm, and you will not pass by this heap and this memorial stone to me for harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. And at first it seems like he was afraid of Isaac, but that's generally considered to be a phrase used by Jacob to describe the Lord and his fear of God. His, uh, Jacob's ability to understand that term was the way his father feared God, so he feared the fear of his father, Isaac. That was just a term that Jacob used to talk about the fear of God. Exodus 18, verse 21. This, to me, is one of the key and pivotal phrases in this teaching. The father-in-law of Moses, Jethro, someone not part of Israel, included the phrase, men who fear God. So the, uh, the verse is, Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of household thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. The fact that Jethro included it in his advice to his son-in-law, Moses, indicates the quality of the man and his advice. We might think, of course, why wouldn't it be included? But look around you. Do you see a lot of God-fearing people in your life? 
people that put the Lord first, and that's really what the fear of God is, willing to honor God no matter the cost. Do you see people souring f over all the porn and garbage that is in their life or that's on TV? Do you see people grieve over all of those with false theology or give false prophecies? Do you see people mourn over the way the Lord is misrepresented in and out of congregations? Or do you see people not mourning and grieving over the lack of the fear of God, lack of the fear of lying about the Lord? Instead, what we're seeing is people deconstructing their faith and backsliding, making excuses, and abusing others. So it's interesting. Jethro was obviously a God-fearing man, even though he wasn't part of the nation of Israel, because he considered it important to put people in leadership who feared God, who put God first. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 10 through 11, 10 through 12, remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when the Lord said to me, assemble the people to me that I may hear, have them hear my voice so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children. This could possibly be taken two ways, but a key is that those who actually see the Lord in the Bible generally end up flat on their face, barely able to breathe, and afraid they will die. This has happened several times in the scriptures, including in the New Covenant. So the question I put to you is this. Do those who talk about seeing God in heaven constantly, do they display any fear of God in their lives? This is really a question I ask to not just people here, but people who will hear this in the podcast. Do they show a fear of God? And if they aren't, then maybe we need to ask they're not telling the truth. Or are they rather taking a cavalier attitude toward all of their visions or their lives in general? In Job chapter 1, verse 1, like I say, this is sort of a broad overview so that people can study it for themselves. Because like I say, uh, this pastor spoke nine uh, sermons over several weeks, and I just haven't got that kind of time there was a man in the land of Uz, Job chapter 1, verse 1, whose name was Job, and that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. In Job chapter 1, verses 8 through 12, I'll read uh, 8, through, 8 through 10. And this is from the Lord's own mouth, even Satan's mouth. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a fence around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. And you can read the rest. From there, in Psalm chapter two, Psalm two, verses ten through twelve, it says, David says, "Now then, you kings, use insight. Let yourselves be instructed, you judges of the earth. 
Serve the Lord with reverence or fear and rejoice with temp trembling. Kiss the Son that he not be angry and you perish on the way, for his wrath may be kindled quickly. Think about that. The Lord, through King David, said that the leaders of countries and empires are supposed to show respect, reverence, and awe, a fear of God, something they will be judged about one day. In Psalm 67, I'll start in verse 5 and read the next couple of verses. It says, May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us. Why? So that the ends of the earth may fear him. Psalm 103 Verses 11, 13, and 17. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Verse 13, just as the Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. But the, Verse 17, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting for those who fear him. And then in Proverbs 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And in Proverbs 9, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The above two Proverbs tell us that true, that the best way to learn knowledge and wisdom should start with the fear of the Lord. It starts with our attitude toward God. And from there, we can properly interpret Scripture. Otherwise, there is no root or anchor to what you know or what you do. Look at our world today. Lots of knowledge, little wisdom, no fear of God. And the result, despite all that knowledge and wisdom, is plenty of murders, abortions, riots, violence, chaos, wars, on and on. And yet, like it says in Romans 1, no one realizes their sins and will not repent. A lack of the fear of the Lord brings on hardness of heart and more sins. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, I know this is a lot of scripture, but it's to make a point. This isn't a subject God has ignored, even though a lot of people have. The conclusion, this is Solomon speaking. After everything he did, he came to the conclusion simply that when everything has been heard, is the conclusion is, fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act of judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. So after everything Solomon experienced, his wisdom boils down to this. Fear God and keep his commandments. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Isaiah says in a prophecy about Yeshua's birth and his life, then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge 
and the fear of the Lord. The Lord says it succinctly through Isaiah that the fear of God comes from God and that when we accept the Lord and he puts his spirit, his ruach in him, part of that should be a fear of the Lord. Uh, in the New Testament, the New Covenant, Luke chapter 1, verses 49 and 50, part of what Miriam, Mary, spoke, it's commonly called the Magnificat. She said, For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is to generations after generation toward those who fear him. In Matthew 10, verses 26 through 31, this is uh, what Yeshua said. This is sort of uh, like the two sides what I'm talking about. On the one hand, he's talking to his disciples who have accepted him as Savior, so they don't fear him. But on the other hand, the Lord says there's still this fear that should be a barrier to them to keep them from sinning. Yeshua, Jesus said, do not fear them, talking about others, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim on the housetops. And do not be afraid of those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows not are two sparrows not sold for an Assyrian? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not fear, you are more valuable than a great number of sparrows. Here we see the balance of the fear of God. On the one hand, those who do not accept Yeshua's atonement and let him be Lord, or do not want to have a serious fear to deal with him, on the other hand, those whose sin is dealt with and have the fear of God, keeping them in check, preventing them from straying. So we have that balance there. And, and Paul was in Acts 9, verses 29 through 31. Paul was saying, and he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, Jewish people, but they were attempting to put him to death. Now when the brothers learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. This was after he got saved. Now the church, the congregation throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace as it was being built up, as it continued in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Interesting balance, and it kept increasing. And Paul told the Corinthians in chapter 7, verse 1, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let's cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21, So then be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time but the days, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine in which there is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, 
speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing make, and making melody with your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, to our God and Father, and subject yourselves to one another in the fear of Messiah. And Paul also told the Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. And finally, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 19, if you address the Father as one who judge, impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Messiah. So in conclusion, when I started thinking on this subject weeks ago, wondering why there seems to be so much apathy, bad, doc bad doctrine, and poor teaching, I started wondering why this is happening. While this has happened throughout the centuries off and on, in between revivals, I do read enough history to know that it has never been this bad. At least in this country, I believe a great deal has to do with a lack of the fear of God, a lack of reverence, or putting God's verse, a poor knowledge of what the Bible says about him, also an incorrect view of him. And I invite everyone here and within the sound of my voice to examine the scriptures I have given out today, study it, and pray about it. Amen.